What a beautiful time of worship. Man, so thankful, so thankful that you are here with us and so grateful that we can gather together and lift up the name of Jesus. Let me encourage you, if you would, to go ahead and grab your Bible and join me in the book of Ephesians. We're gonna step right back into our study of Ephesians. If you're new to Shades, we're just literally walking verse by verse through the book of Ephesians right now. We're in chapter one. We're gonna finally wrap up chapter one here this morning as we continue in our time together. And we are really, really grateful to get to share this time together. This is a beautiful time of year as, as spring is coming to life around us. We are reminded that, that, that our God is the God of new life. That as we gather together in the name of Jesus, we are, we are given these pictures all around us in creation that God is making all things new, bringing the dead to life. There is this beautiful gift in the season of spring. But there's also the reality of pollen. And so I just want to ask you to be patient with me. I have a cough drop in right now as I'm preaching. That's not normal. Um, I've got a Kleenex in my pocket in case I just explode up here. So just know my head weighs about 150 pounds and I'm glad to be here and we're going to get through this together. All right. So can y'all encourage me in that? Can somebody like say, okay, we're going to get through this together. All right. We're going to get through this together. I had the privilege of being in Guatemala last week and got to bring some stuff back with me. And uh, so I'm glad to be with you here this morning. Let me encourage you, if you would, now to stand up with me as we read from the Word of God. This is, this is what we do each week at Shades. We, when we gather in the name of Jesus and we turn our attention to the Word of God, we stand at the beginning of the message so that we can be reminded the Word of God is the foundation for the people of God. The word of God is what we stand upon, the solid rock foundation under our feet of what God says is right and good and true. So let's look at what the word of the Lord lays before us here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It says, speaking of what God has done through the Son, Jesus Christ, he put all things under his feet. Gave him his head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Today, as we turn our attention to the word of God, we're looking at what it means to be the body of Christ, the church, and how this applies to our lives. So let's invite the Lord now to speak into our lives as we turn our attention to him. Let's pray together and let's ask him to show us what we need to see. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would use this time in our lives for everyone who is here in this room and for everyone who is joining online for this message, Lord. I know you have something specific to say. There is something we need to see. There is something we need to hear from the most high God who is reigning over all things and knows every detail of our lives. So Father, speak. Use this time, because we need to hear from you. So for your glory and for our good, I pray that you would speak into our lives, have your way among us. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be the same, 
as a result of that which you say. So we commit this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. And I do want to just briefly share a little bit about our trip to Guatemala this past week. I want to thank those of you who are praying for, for me and for our team. We, we had a team of about 40 people, mostly high school students from here at Shades. It was an incredible group. And it was such a gift to see the way everybody on the trip really leaned in and, and really stepped out on faith, out of their comfort zone, watching our students love on children, watching our students share their testimonies, watching our students go into little local huts and houses and pray for families. It was a tremendous blessing. For those of you who are parents or family of the students that were on this trip, you should be proud of your students. I mean, they were an example of the love of God in a very clear way. And one of the, the neat privileges that we had while we were there is the opportunity to go into a local school, a school of several hundred students and, and share the gospel. And several of our students gave personal testimonies and, and, and our students did a, a little local VBS and, and just loved on kids and showed them the good news of what Christ has done for them. And we partnered with a, a local Guatemalan church in the area where we were ministering there. And y'all, I just want you to know, we, we feel like we've gone through some tough stuff in COVID over these last couple of years. And I know many of you have walked through some tough stuff. It's hard to even fathom, though, the impact that COVID has brought on the, on the developing world. I mean, you think about when, when we went through a lockdown, but we still had everything that, that we need at our fingertips. And, and when they went through a lockdown, I mean, it really shut things down. There was a, a food shortage. There were all kind of medical issues. And, and when the church had to, had to be locked down, there was no way because they didn't have the technology we have to, to stay connected. And so they didn't even know what was going on with many people in their fellowship. The, the local pastor, Pastor Pedro, that we partnered with to serve the school, he actually lost his wife to COVID about a year ago. And so this church had been through a lot. They were, they were really struggling. They, they had had a difficult season, and it was a tremendous blessing to be able to come alongside them and encourage them. And we invited the, the children from the school to come each evening to the church. And as the days progressed, the, the church was literally filled with children from the school. And, and Pastor Pedro came to our group in tears, just, just celebrating the fact that the church was filled with, with children who were hearing the good news of the gospel. I would just encourage you to continue to pray for the people of Guatemala and for our group that is traveling back even right now. It was an amazing experience. And it was such a gift to be reminded that the church of Jesus Christ is so much bigger than what we see in our own context, in our own community. And the church of Jesus Christ doesn't just look like the way we look like. It, the church of Jesus Christ is, is growing and moving all around the world. And I was reminded this past week of a, a quote that I've turned to on many different occasions that, that really highlights for me the importance of living sent and living the mission and what we're to be about as a church. This comes from Pastor John Piper. 
He writes this about missions. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless of millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity. But worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. Now we know as we look around us every single day in our own community, people all around us are worshiping something. We all are worshiping something. And God has given his church a mission to go into the world, to share the good news of the gospel, to share what Christ has done so that people can be invited to turn their worship and turn their affection to the one and the only who is truly worthy to be praised. And so we go into the world and live the mission so that others can be invited to worship the Lord who is worthy to be praised, the one who is reigning over all. And as we turn to Ephesians 1 today, we are reminded of the authority and the power of the one who is worthy of our worship the one who is worthy of our praise and our adoration. I want to take you back to, to where we ended last week in verse 21 of Ephesians 1 and read verses 21 and 22 together. Listen to what the word of God says about the, the lordship of Christ. It says in verse 21, he is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then our focus for today, it says, and he, God, put all things under his feet. What is the word of God revealing? This is a very simple truth that churches have proclaimed for generations the truth is this, Jesus is Lord. Church, I realize you've heard this before. I know this is a simple statement. I know this is a statement that has been proclaimed by churches all throughout the generations, but it's a statement that we can never afford to get over. It's a statement we need to be reminded of time and time again. Jesus is Lord. And as the Lord, he has authority that is far above, the scripture says, all other rule, all other authority, all other power and dominion. He has the name that is above every name and all things. Listen to this, all things 
have been put under his feet. Jesus is Lord of all. And the question for every single one of us is, is that true in your life? Have you trusted Jesus as Lord of your life? Have you surrendered to his authority as Lord, as the one who is worthy of our worship? For you see, the Bible makes it very, very clear, and I don't want us to be foggy on this at all. The Bible makes it very clear. A day is coming when the reality of the Lordship of Christ will be perfectly clear to everyone. There will be no confusion at all about it. Everyone everywhere will see the Lordship of Jesus on display. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about here. Turn with me, if you will to the book of Philippians chapter two, another letter written by the apostle Paul to the early church, this one in Philippi, much like he wrote this church to, the, this letter to the church in Ephesus that we're walking through here in Ephesians. There's another letter to the church in Philippi called Philippians. Look at what it says in Philippians two, beginning in verse eight, about the lordship of Jesus. This has implications for every single one of us, regardless of what you believe, regardless of your church background, regardless of what you think about Jesus, just lean in for a minute because this has implications for all of us. The word of God says this, being found in human form, talking about Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That's what we see in Ephesians as well. So that at the name of Jesus, listen to this, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This has massive implications for us. A day is coming when every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That, that's everywhere, everyone. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. A day is coming, the scripture says, when the power and authority, the lordship of Christ and his reign will be seen by all. But we've got to ask a question. So does this mean that everyone will be saved? Because that's a common belief in our culture today. Many people want the Bible to say that. Just have faith in something, just do your best, just try your hardest, and in the end, it's all gonna work out, everyone's gonna be okay. Is that what the scripture's saying here? That everyone will be saved? Absolutely not. That is not in the word of God whatsoever. It's only those who call on the name of the Lord. It's only those who confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, the scripture says, who will be saved. So what is this talking about? 
What this is telling us, there is coming a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, everyone everywhere will realize Jesus is Lord. And please listen to this, church. This is such good news. For those who have surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord in this life, for those who have trusted the gift of salvation that Jesus alone can provide through his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. For those who have trusted in Christ in this life, that day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses will be the ultimate day of worship and celebration. The culmination, the good news of the gospel laid before us beautifully as, as everyone sees the glory belonging to the Lord as the one who is reigning over all. And those who have trusted in Christ on that day will celebrate in wonder and awe the saving grace of Christ that has set them free. And they will clearly see this beautiful good news before them that they are not receiving what their sins deserve, but instead they are receiving the gift of eternal life in the presence of Jesus the Lord. But that won't be everybody. On that day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord, Please hear this, and I, I'm not trying to say this to be mean. I'm trying to say this so that you can understand what the word of God reveals. It will be a very different story for those who rejected Jesus as Lord in this life. On that day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, those who rejected Christ in this life and denied his ultimate authority and sought to be the Lord of their own life or believed they were in control and didn't need Jesus in their life and did not want to surrender to his ultimate authority in this life. They will fall on their knees and declare with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, but it won't be as an act of worship. It will be a moment of terror and trembling and regret as they realize for them it is too late. And in refusing to acknowledge Jesus as Lord in this life, they will clearly see that they rejected the only one who could save them from their sin, the only one who could cover them with grace, the only one who could make them right with God the Father and give them the gift of new life and eternal life. And they will know clearly on that day that they are receiving the very thing that their sins deserve as they remain separated from Christ for all of eternity. So what will that day be like for you? Will it be a day of worship and joy 
and celebration, the gift that you have received in Jesus Christ as Lord? Or will it be a day of terror and regret as you realize that you rejected Jesus Christ and will be separated from God for all of eternity? Jesus is Lord. And the Lord of all creation, the Lord of the heavens and the earth is inviting you to trust in him as your Savior and your Lord. We go back to Ephesians 1 and we see what the word of God says is it talks about the body of Christ, the the church of Jesus Christ. Let's look at verses 22 and 23 again. It says, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Here's what we see in the word of God. The church is the body of Christ. You may have heard that before. That's a very common statement in the church. The church is the body of Christ. That's an important thing for us to understand. This that we're gathered in, it's a building that the church gathers in, but this space without the people of God in it is not the church. It's a building. The church is the people of God. The body of Christ is the church. What does that mean for us? What are the practical implications of this? Well, first and foremost, that means if the church is the body, that Christ is the head. Just like we talked about Jesus as Lord over all things, he certainly is Lord of the church. He is the authority of the church, the source of life and power for the church. Please hear this. A church is only a church if Jesus is the head. A church that doesn't acknowledge Christ as the head and submit to his authority and his reign is not only separating itself from the reign and rule of Christ, it is separating itself from the power and the life that he alone can provide. Just like a body without its head is dead, a church without Christ as the head is dead. And you may wonder, well, yeah, why are we even talking about that? Doesn't that go without saying? Doesn't everyone understand that Christ is the head of the church, his body? Well, let me ask you this. Are there churches in our culture today who have watered down or walked away from the word of God? who refuse to teach and preach the truth of God's word? Are there churches 
in our culture today who have affirmed what the word of God clearly condemns? Are there churches in our culture today that have abandoned the word of God as the authority and driving force for why they gather together and what they do as a people? Certainly there are. And we must be reminded of this very clearly where the church refuses to humbly submit to the authority of Scripture and the authority of Christ through his word, the church is separating itself from the head. The very source of life and power that the church is given through Jesus Christ. But make no mistake about it, church. When the church is submitted to Christ as the head, it is an unstoppable force sent into the world, empowered by the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. This is such good news for a church that is submitted to Christ as the head. God will do more than we can ask, imagine, or think when we as a church submit to Christ as the head. The most important statement, I believe, of the great commission of Jesus in Matthew 28, a, a passage of scripture that I know many of you are familiar with. We talk about it a lot here at Shades. The, the most important statement of the great commission is, is not the portion that says go, or the portion that says teach, or the portion that says make disciples. No, the portion of the Great Commission that is the most important statement is the statement about the authority that sends the church into the world with a mission. Matthew 28, verse 18, it says it this way. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Jesus is Lord, the head of the church. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And Jesus says, in light of all authority that is given to me in heaven and earth, I'm saying to you, church, people of God, the body of Christ, now go, therefore, into all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. A church with Christ as the head, living the mission of God is an unstoppable force under the authority, the reign, and the rule of Jesus Christ. Christ is the head of the church, his body. But secondly, as we go back to thinking about the church as the body of Christ, we are reminded of how much we need one another. In fact, if you read the New Testament at any length at all, you will see over and over again the term one another. It's all throughout the scripture telling the church to, to, to love one another, serve one another, care for one another, comfort one another. We need one another. The Christian life is not meant to be a solo sport. The Christian life was never intended to be lived in isolation or disconnection. We need one another. 
We need to be connected to the body. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul here plays this out very clearly, and we're not going to read this passage in its entirety. In fact, I would recommend that you go back and spend some time later today or later this week in 1 Corinthians 12 and just see the, the beauty of what is revealed about the body of Christ with its, its many different parts functioning together for the glory of God, many different roles, if you will, functioning together for the glory of God. Every part of the body needs the other parts of the body to be able to function and do what the body has been created and called by God to do. But then Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27, right near the end. He says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now think about what happens when part of your body is in pain or part of your body is sick or not working right. Right now, I have a crazy sinus infection, okay? I have a Kleenex in my hand. The cough drop is still kinda right here in my lip. That's why I'm able to keep talking. I feel like I'm gonna sneeze at any point and just blow everybody away, but thankfully it hasn't happened yet. And I wanna tell you, last night, I was trying to stay awake and watch Duke, North Carolina. But my head felt like it weighed 100 pounds. And every part of my body knew that I have a sinus infection. Every part of my body was feeling it. Lethargic, tired, a little achy. Like every part of my body was aware that this one stinking little part right here is not working right and is suffering and is hurting. What does that mean for us? When one part suffers, we all suffer. Well, so many of you have experienced this in a beautiful way at the church. You've walked through a difficult time or you've gotten that diagnosis that you never expected or you've experienced the loss of someone and the church, the church has rallied around you to show you you're not alone. You don't have to go through this on your own. When you suffer, we all feel it. And, and the church rallies around you and your classes love on you and care for you. And you see the beauty of the body of Christ that reminds us we need one another and we are connected to one another. And when one suffers, we, we all suffer. And when one rejoices, we all get to celebrate because we are connected through what Christ has done. It is a tremendous blessing to see the body of Christ rally around those in their time of need. I honestly can tell you this. I don't know how people do it when they're not connected to the body of Christ and they walk through a difficult time. I don't understand how people do it. Because the church, Shades, you, you do this so well. You come alongside people, you love on people. Man, you feed people, good night. We are good at bringing some food, right? 
pray for one another, encourage one another, lift one another up. It is such a gift to be connected to the body of Christ and to be reminded, hey, when we are weak, the body helps lift us up. We, we need one another. And what a joy it is to see others lean into us and lift us up in our time of need. What a joy it is to know that when we celebrate, we're not celebrating alone. We're in this together. We, we've got each other's back. That's what it means to be connected to the body of Christ. I want to close with a quote from Charles Colson from the book he wrote many years ago called Being the Body, a really great book. And after this quote, I just want to ask you a very simple question, just a little challenge here as we wrap up our time this morning. Listen to what Colson wrote about being the body. He says, It is through a local body of believers that we carry out the word of the church in the world. It is within the church particular that we commit ourselves to intimate relationships with fellow believers and submit ourselves to accountability, duties, and responsibilities. It is in the community, this community, our Christian character is shaped, our spiritual gifts developed and exercised. It is the family ties that cannot be broken. It is the training camp that disciples and equips believers to be God's people against the world and for the world. If we don't grasp the intrinsically corporate nature of Christianity embodied in the church, we are missing the very heart of Jesus' plan. This needs to be heard in church culture today. Where we do a lot of window shopping and we often look like the church or treat the church like it's just a commodity. The church is the body of Christ. We need one another. We need to be connected together in a local church. So I just want to ask you this. Wherever you are right now in your relationship to the church, would you just lean in? Maybe you're just casually attending, showing up for a service from time to time. Maybe you're joining online from time to time. Would you, would you lean in? Take a step of faith? Get more connected? Get more involved? Maybe you show up on Sunday morning, but you've never put down roots You've never gone through the process of joining the church. Maybe you've received a lot of blessings from the church, but you've never begun to give. You've never begun to serve. Would you lean in? Maybe you show up on Sunday, but you've, you've never gone any deeper with a smaller group of people to, to have accountability and prayer and the gift of really knowing one another in a class or a group, would you, would you lean in? Take a step of faith. Don't miss out on the blessing of being connected to the body of Christ. And, and listen, let me say this. If you say, oh, I can't do that at Shades. I'm just not sure about Shades or if, if Shades is my place. That's fine. Find a church and get connected and get committed and lean in to the body of Christ. Because your life will be blessed by the body of Christ.
And you don't want to miss the very heart of Jesus. His plan for you is to be connected to his body. So will you lean in? Take a step of faith. Let me pray for us as we close. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for the beautiful clarity of your word. The word of God invites us to see there is a Lord. There is a Savior who is worthy of our worship. Jesus is Lord. Father, I just pray for those among us today or listening online who who have heard that statement many times and yet have never truly believed it in their own life. I pray that today would be the day that they would step out on faith and say, Jesus, I am ready to trust you as Lord of my life. Oh, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. That when men and women, boys and girls, call on the name of the Lord and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they receive the gift of salvation. Lord, I pray that today would be a day of salvation. That some would trust in you. And Lord, as we think about the beautiful gift of your body, the church, the people of God, I realize all around this room and and among all those online right now, many people have a very different relationship with the church. Some casually attend. Some have never put down roots. Some have never made the decision to join. Some are serving. Some are not. Some are giving. Some are not. Lord, I pray for everyone among us that we would lean in Just give us the faith to to lean in and to take that next step, whatever it may be. Lord, you know what we need to be connected to the body, to receive the blessings of truly being a part of your family, the church. Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith to lean in. We thank you for this time. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.